It's like playing Madden, like, but in Madden. Wingstop 20 piece. See, he drums only. This team on flats. Stafford's been the best quarterback I've played with. Um, the guy can flat out play. Man, I can always do work, bro. I can always do work. Y'all know what I am. Round six, pick 200. I can always get work. Right back at you here. It's the Back Judge Podcast. I'm Adam Clef. Got Tommy and Lee Murray. We're in, we're in the two days right now, man. Training camps are opening. We're, uh, we're just trying to get our licks in here. And uh, it's the NFC South on the docket today to go over. And we can just get right into it and talk about the Panthers here. And, and Lee and I are huge Panthers guys with this five and a half over win total. I think it's the it's the lock of the season so far that I've seen in terms of future bets. Um, Lee, I think you're right there with me, right? I don't know if I'd go as far as to say it's the lock of the season, but I think it's a bet I'm 100% going to be making. Um, it's my favorite futures bet I've seen. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I like it a lot. I wouldn't say it's my favorite futures bet just because of after parsing through this division, um, really... Tommy likes that Lamar number. Giving giving a hard look to, to kind of the schedule and everything. I, I, I think it's an overlook for me, but... Um, I'm not in a huge rush to, to make the bet, I guess. All right. I, we're going to have a big, I think, disagreement here. So why don't you guys spell out spell out the case for the for the over with Carolina? Clef, you want to start it well, off? I just yeah. Think, yeah, I just think Teddy Bridgewater is really solid. I, I mean, you saw it last year with, with the Saints. Was it flashy? No, but it was wins every single time he started uh, in Drew Brees' absence. So I think this is a guy, too, who – had his opportunity to start when he came back from injury anywhere in the league, but was smart about his career. He chose to go uh, to New Orleans to learn behind Drew Brees with Sean Payton instead of going to the Jets and potentially flaming out, right? So this is a guy who's who's picking his shots, and he's coming to the Panthers to win football games, not just because it's a paycheck. Um, I think you look at adding Robbie Anderson uh, is a huge, huge deal for this receiver room that was kind of – um, lacking in depth, so I think you bring him in with DJ Moore entering his third season, and Seth Roberts and, and Curtis Samuel can now play a little more um, just complementary roles in this in this offense's passing attack. And I think the offensive line, you know, has has had its issues in the past, but it, it's not a bad unit. It's it can definitely get the job done. And when you look at Christian McCaffrey, who him and Saquon are, are the best two running backs in the league. And so I think overall in offense, I, I think that it's at the very least average. But, I, you know, I, I, I think you can even make the argument that it's, you know, kind of a, from between like 12 and 15 in terms of the better offenses in the league, at least on paper. And, and you go to the defense and you lose Luke Keekley, which isn't great. And that's probably where more of the question marks are, especially with the secondary. But – Every single one of this team's picks in this draft was on defense, right? So at some point, some of these guys are, are going to play, and hopefully they're good. So I'm kind of relying a little bit on the rookies there to get us over the hump. But it's, it's, it's six wins is, is really not all that much uh, for this team, I think, to, to go over a lead. Did, were there any spots that I kind of missed? Um, I wouldn't – I mean, I would just say that I think this is a team that's absolutely – I completely agree on the Teddy Bridgewater standpoint. I think that he's, he's very solid. I think that 
Weapons-wise, this team is is dripping with weapons. DJ Moore is an incredible weapon. Curtis Samuel's a very good weapon. Christian McCaffrey's arguably the best weapon in the NFL. Um, offensive line worries me a little bit, I would say, but do I think that it's an offensive line that's going to seize this team and be, you know, have Teddy Bridgewater fearing injury or running for his life? No, not necessarily. I think where the real concerns happen are on the defensive side of the ball, mainly because Luke Keekley retired. Um, outside of that, uh, you know, there are some holes, the secondaries to worry about. I think they did a great job of supplementing some talent in, in the draft this year on the defensive side of the ball. And then if you think about it, their defense wasn't that great last year when Kyle Allen stepped in and went on a run that looked a lot like something Teddy Bridgewater is highly capable of doing. And this was a team that was looking like a playoff contender at that point. All they really needed was just some consistency from the quarterback position. Um, and I think, yeah, I just ultimately think that they can compete on the level of the Falcons. They can compete on the level of the Buccaneers and of the Saints. I don't think they're necessarily as good as those teams, but I think that this is going to be a feisty group with kind of a chip-on-the-shoulder mentality. Um, and when you're setting the line on a team like this at five and a half, uh, I question why you are, Tommy, not all over that, considering the fact that you like their head coach, Matt Rule, a whole heck of a lot than, more than I do. And then, you know, college phenomenon, Joe Brady, the guy who seemingly the man behind the, uh, you know, up in the, up in the press box behind the LSU run, um, you know, behind the Joe Burrow madness, you know, was hired as the Panthers offensive coordinator and has worked with Teddy Bridgewater in the past. They have a working relationship. So I think there are a lot of things that maybe you, you're grazing over that are to like about this team and uh, fairly solid reasons why they'll be competing at a, at a relatively high level come fall. Yeah, some good points you guys bring up there. Um, I, I'm, it's time for me to address them. Uh, I was a big Matt Rule fan, and I really do like the future of this team. I think this team is going to be positioned with a top three, top five draft pick next year to really have an, uh, a lot of momentum going into 2021. But that being said, I completely agree with what Lee said, and that's why I brought the Panthers up in the Rams episode, where the skill positions, I think, are, are very good in Carolina. I think uh, Carolina might have a top ten skill positions position group in the NFL. That being said... Clep, on your point on Teddy Bridgewater, he barely won a lot of those games in New Orleans. And I think New Orleans, especially, I'm going to get into the Panthers' defense in a second. New Orleans is just a much better team than Carolina. And Teddy Bridgewater was able to keep them afloat for five games. He went undefeated. Uh, but I think what gets lost in a lot of that is that Teddy Bridgewater is a check-down quarterback. He's a very conservative quarterback. He doesn't push the ball downfield. I don't know how well he's going to work with a guy like Robbie Anderson and Curtis Samuel, who are certified deep threats. Um, I don't know if they're going to try and make Teddy Bridgewater play outside Curtis his comfort Samuel's zone. Curtis Samuel's not really a deep threat, man. Curtis Samuel's like a running back. He's, you know. It... Sure. Uh, I'm, my, my point is that Robbie Anderson and Curtis Samuel, I think, are more suited to go deep. I think DJ Moore is kind of their possession guy who's going to get, you know, 80 receptions. I like the DJ Moore reception prop over. I think it's at like 88 and a half. I would take that. Um, and then this team's offensive line, they have an awful offensive line. It's brutal. It was bad last year, and it got worse, I think, this year. Russell Okun, you can't be expecting him at age 36 or whatever. We brought up Dwayne Brown with Seattle. Uh, I think this is offensive line Little, is a bottom. It... <laughs> Greg Little. <laughs> well, we all were not big fans of coming out uh, the year before. My point is that I think this team's absolute ceiling is probably seven or eight wins if they have, like, if everything goes right. And a lot of that's going to fall on Joe Brady in the offense. And then – 
That I mean, I guess my main point is I like their offensive weapons. I really like Joe Brady. I like Matt Rule, but I think they're in the process of tearing this down and trying to get a quarterback I next think that's year. Ridiculous. Teddy Bridgewater. Let me let me finish. Let me finish. Teddy Bridgewater. I think is a game manager quarterback who is a solid QB. Who his ceiling is probably like a top seventeen, maybe top fifteen quarterback in the NFL, but. This offensive line isn't going to provide him with the infrastructure to, I think, really succeed. And then I think this is the worst defense in the NFL, straight up. Maybe them or Jacksonville. You're, we're talking – the whole theme this whole offseason has been talk about new coaches, uh, lack of continuity or having continuity, and then rookies in a short enough season where there's not going to be any preseason. For you guys to expect that this team to compete in a division where I think Atlanta, we'll get into them in a second, is just kind of a better version of them. They're another team with a good offense – and an awful defense. I just think this is a team who's going to be behind in a lot of games, and I don't think Teddy Bridgewater is going to be able to will them back. Um, this, I think the defense got worse from last year, and they were one of the worst defenses in the NFL. Tommy, Tommy, let me, uh, let me just jump in here. Let's see if I can get Lee to bite on this with me. I'll, I'll, I'll throw you a little prophecy your way. Throw you a little prophecy your way, all right? I'm going to say that the Carolina Panthers in 2020 will have more wins, not just the same amount, but more wins all right, then the Rams, and as well as the Browns. I will 100% take that. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to take the over on the Panthers because that's what we're talking about right now. Like, I why don't we just do? <laughs> yeah, I'll take the under on five and a half. Yeah. I think that's a, right. the well, fact that we the, can so we can say both. I'll just all I'll hop on both. I'm not going to say that. Yeah, yeah, I I'll, think that. I just think you guys are doing a lot of – there's a lot of charity going on where you're saying their offensive line, yeah, it's not that good, but – and their defense, they brought in a lot Dude, of guys you, that you literally guys made like, a but... point. You, their offensive line is they, – they have a check-down offense. You said it yourself. Teddy Bridgewater is a check-down quarterback. There's a reason they signed him. They're, design, they're designing their offense around Teddy Bridgewater. The best receiver on their team is Christian McCaffrey. Their whole offensive philosophy is getting the ball out quick. The whole statements they've been saying are, is how they're going to use Curtis Samuel differently. DJ Moore is one of the best young receivers in the NFL. The, what this comes down to is forget the defense, because that's not even what the conversation's about. Because you're saying the same thing about Atlanta. I think we can go toe-to-toe about their defense in Atlanta. You love Brian Burns. Kawan Short probably played his best ball. I like Derek Brown more than both of you. Shaq Thompson is solid. I mean, their secondary yeah, is I mean, bad. The other thing, too, is... I it mean, comes down to Bridgewater. You here, just we're don't not arguing think, that this team's going to make the playoffs. Because the like, whole We're saying they're going to get six wins. The whole philosophy behind yeah, what you're you saying, too, were... is that, oh, well, they're just going to draft a quarterback, and then everything will be better. It's like... I think that they no, no, that's signed not, that's Teddy Bridgewater really. with the intention to win games, and if they were trying to rebuild completely, why would they have spent money to get a quarter, a middling quarterback, in your opinion, that's just going to bring them above the needle a little bit to where they were? Why would they not just... Because they didn't want to start Will Greer, and they could get Teddy Bridgewater for $20 million a year, which is a complete bargain. Dude, they're trying to win. Even if he's going to be... to win games. They're going to be a competitive team. Sure. Like they have a fourth-place right. I mean, we... fourth schedule... <laughs> I just don't see, yeah. like, sure, their offensive line isn't great, but I think Teddy Bridgewater, you can label it top okay, 15, even, top 17, even, whatever you want. He's, he's not going to make that many mistakes, I don't think. I don't think he's extremely mistake-prone. Okay, that's, that's not and my if they point. Have, they have that's the best running point. back in football, my, they can possess the ball. That's irrelevant. That's irrelevant to me. They had the best running back in football last year, and they won Dude, five games. Kyle and, Allen was their point, quarterback. Human Roller Coaster was their quarterback last year. Yeah, and when he yeah. was playing yes, somewhat consistently, my, they were extremely good. They were good. Okay. 
Let me. Let, this is my point. This is my point. If this offense hits its ceiling and Joe Brady doesn't miss a step, and Joe Brady is the next big thing in offensive coordinators in the NFL, and let's say they That's average twenty-eight points a but, game. Okay, but let me. This is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. Let's say that this is an, a very elite offense who can produce twenty-eight points a game. I look at this defense and think it's the worst defense in the NFL who's going to be giving up 28 points a game. So and that's like their floor. I don't see how this defense is going to be good at all. You're infusing this team. You guys said it. They only picked all their defensive pick, uh, all their picks in the draft were on defense. You're trusting a bunch of rookies in a shortened offseason to come in and, I mean, get six wins in the NFL, which is tough. And I think the secondary is brutal. You, I mean, the the yes, Brian Burns I like a lot as a pass rusher. That's really their <laughs> only their only pass rusher. Yeah, he's yeah he's solid. Dante Jackson's a good corner. He runs a four three. He's not. Don't an forget elite about corner. Big Ta and OAA White fraternity brother David Reese back there. David Reese. Yeah, and Lee's guy Chris Orr. They they brought Chris, in a lot of you know Chris I like. Orr. <laughs> Wisconsin. I just that's a Badger. I will. I I'm. I guess my point is I'm very happy to be on the other we side. Can, right, well, I well, think I, over, let's let's I go to the Bucks. Let's go to the Bucks, boys. Um, Lee, let's just. I, I'd like to hear what you kind of think about the Tom Brady experience here in Tampa, and what do you think it's going to look like here? A lot of winning. A lot of winning games. A lot of winning football. You know, I, I, this is this is my dream scenario. This is. You know, outside of me liking Jameis, they have a quarterback who's way less mistake-prone, arguably the best quarterback in the history of the game. Say what you want about Tom Brady. I think he's going to be able to captain this offense of weaponry to, you know, uh, an extremely high level. I think Bruce Arians is, you know, one of the better coaches in the NFL when things are clicking. Um, I love that Todd Bowles had a year to develop this extremely young defense who I think when you really look at it, outside of – asking the secondary to do a little bit more than they may be ready for because they're so young, this is a really good defense. Um, and I think that this is the most complete team in the division, and I think this is a team that's going to be winning 10 or 11 games this year, and, and they're my pick to win the division this year. Um, also considering their schedule, uh, I think that this is an elite team with, a, I guess, a little bit less than elite schedule, and um, I think that it's going to result in them winning you know, 10 or 11 games, like I said. Tommy, what say you? Yeah, I think this is a two-horse race um, in this division between uh, Tampa and New Orleans. Um, I, I pretty much agree with Lee. I still think I'm going to lean New Orleans when we get to them to be the leader in this division, but um, good head coach, good defensive coordinator. I really like the infrastructure in Tampa. you got Clep, your boy Byron Leftwich, who will be co- coaching in Houston a year from now as your offensive coordinator. Uh, and then bringing in a guy like Tyler Johnson, who I think is going to be game. He's going to be made for that slot position, I think, uh, coming out of camp. And I think Ronald Jones is going to have a really nice year this year. Um, I think this is just a really nice offense, bringing in Tristan Wirfs. They did a really good job this offseason of kind of shoring up some of their positions where they were a little bit weaker. Um, and then the, I think this is a defense, too, that really caught fire towards the end of the year and was a defense that, I haven't really looked at, and they brought in Piemont too. Let's not forget about yes, that. Yes, sir. Piemont got brought in as an undrafted free agent. Uh, Antoine Winfield, uh, awesome safety you're bringing in, and then uh, Carlton Davis and Sean Murphy Bunton were probably two of the better young corners in the NFL last year. So if they can take that next step, uh, if a lot of it also, I want to see. There's no um, reason Piemont shouldn't be starting Week One. Let's just say that. <laughs> I don't know about that. 
Shaq Barrett. Let's see Shaq Barrett playing on the franchise tag. Let's see if he can get that get that bread, get that secure that bag, make that make that big contract this year, and, and you know have another good year. I mean, this team has athleticism all over their defense in the secondary. Their linebackers, I think, have the potential. Maybe the most underrated two middle linebackers in the NFL with Levante David and Devin White. Uh, you can stop the run. They were one of the best run stuff uh, run stopping teams in the NFL last year. So I think if their pass defense can kind of catch up to that and Brady's able to not turn the ball over like Jameis did, this team at the very least should slot into that wild card spot. Yeah, I mean, Tommy, you referenced too, I mean, Levante David and Devin White. With Keekly going away, Levante David may just be the best middle linebacker in the NFL. Maybe it's Bobby Wagner can make an argument for C.J. Mosley, a couple other guys. But uh, to me, he's you know kind of the top of the pile there. Chris Godwin, Mike Evans doesn't get much better than those two guys. The receiver, Gronk, we didn't even mention him. Who knows what the hell he can do. O.J. Howard. Um, but O.J. Howard is yeah. still there. Cameron Braid is, would be a starting tight end on a lot of teams in the NFL, in my opinion. Uh, so... This is the team that I, I just think is, is really poised to, to do good things. Good head coach, great defensive coordinator, solid OC. Um, there's, not, there's not really much left to say. And, again, Tristan Wirfs getting to them in the first round was a huge, huge win for that team as well. Kind of assures me a lot of issues I had with the offensive line kind of pre-draft. I was concerned about it. But um, him, him coming in, I think, is, is a big win for this team. And, if Brady can just, I mean, let's not pretend that last year was probably Brady's, one of Brady's worst seasons in recent memory, not to say that it was a bad quarterbacking season, but just for his standards was not great. So just to wonder, you know, does he really have what it takes anymore is a fair question. But at the same time, like Tommy, you were saying with Richard Sherman, that's just the guy that I'm not going to try and bet against. So uh, also, to me, the this weapons, is, this man, is the really weapons around team. him, I just think, yep. are and, and Exactly, and there was nothing in, in New England around Tom Brady to help him. And you put him in a situation like Tampa where there's elite weapon weapons around him. It's it, I, I have a hard time seeing it not go well. And and I and I think one thing, too, is just I think despite, you know, we'll get into the Saints later with Drew Brees as being a 40-year-old quarterback. But Tom Brady, I still think, still has the deep ball, you know, not you know, unlike Drew Brees. And Mike Evans, maybe we'll see a little bit of a regression in volume. But if Chris Godwin is basically playing your slot Edelman role and, and doing a lot of the rack stuff and a lot of the close to the line of scrimmage stuff and, you know, taking some of that coverage away, I mean, you just got two elite, elite receivers. And then you mentioned Gronk. Um, what if Gronk, you know, is just on for like 20, 30 snaps a game and trying to keep him healthy or trying to keep him to the playoffs? You just have so many options it basically in every skill possession group. And Lee, you brought up you you were a big fan of Joe Hag before when we were talking about when we were going through our mock drafts and we were always trying to put an offensive lineman to Tampa and you kind of pushed back against that. But now you got Joe Hag as a swing tackle and even a depth guard potentially. I think this team just got a lot deeper throughout the offseason after getting Brady and are really primed for a big year. Um, let's go to the Falcons. And of course, famously, this was my Super Bowl pick from a year ago. Didn't go that great, uh, but we're here in, in 2020, and Dan Quinn still the head coach of this football team, and to me, that's kind of where the thing starts uh, in, in terms of me doubting this team's ability to put anything together for 2020 that I can really get behind. He just hasn't been able to get this defense right for whatever it is, five years that he's been there. You know, Grady Jarrett is probably one of the better defensive players in the NFL, but other than that, you look around and it's like, you know, Deion Jones is a pretty good off-the-ball linebacker, but Charles Harris, kind of a throwaway guy from Miami. 
Um, you know, Kyan O'Neill has flashed, but he can't stay healthy. Isaiah Oliver didn't exactly have a great season last year, and the secondary was kind of all over the place. I mean, DeMonte Casey didn't really have the quite same uh, season that he's had in years past. Ah, God, it's it's just tough. And when you look on the offense, too, the bringing in Todd Gurley, I just didn't really like that move very much for them, and hopefully it doesn't get more buzz than it deserves. Uh, the offensive line should be solid, but again, a guy like Caleb McGarry, who you move up to draft in the first round, was pretty much awful last year. And you got the guy like that, my man in uh, Buffalo, Cody Ford, who just, you know, it had a great season. And it's like, wh what was that pick? Lee like likes the upside of Hayden Hurst, but I, I don't know. Uh, whatever. I'm kind of trailing off here. But despite Julio and Calvin Ridley, there's not much on this team that really gets me that excited, especially with Dan Quinn and Dirk Cutter still in the building. Yeah, I think I'm a little more excited about this team. I like the kind of comparison Tommy made about them being— I like A.J. Terrell. I like that. Pick. Them being Good a souped-up version yeah. of the Panthers. I can kind of get with that. I, I understand why the line is at 7.5. They have a lot to prove this year, but— I think they're going to run Todd Gurley into the ground, and then I think Julio is obviously still Julio. Uh, Calvin Ridley is a, a great complimentary receiver. And then um, say what you want about Hayden Hurst. I think he'll, he'll fill in the role of Austin Hooper relatively well based on the fact that I think Matt Ryan is really good at getting the ball out to several different players. And I think that between Gurley, Julio, Calvin Ridley, and Hurst, those are four you know, top-grade weapons that are going to be able to keep you in a lot of games. I think this is going to be a team that gets into a lot of gunslinging matchups probably wins a game or two that they, they shouldn't and loses uh, maybe a few more that they should win because their defense is, you know, not quite up to snuff. Um, but, Klopp, you, you mentioned it right at the end of your spiel there. A.J. Terrell, um, a lot of weight on his shoulders this year as a rookie to step up and maybe even be, you know, take the crown from Isaiah Oliver and be the number, not that it's a very hefty crown, but be the number one corner um, in Atlanta. But ultimately I have to kind of tamper my expectations for this team due to the fact that, you know, if you're accustomed to getting in X amount of shootouts, there, there's only so much of a chance um, that you're going to be able to win so many of those games if you don't have uh, an elite quarterback. And I ultimately think Matt Ryan can play at an elite level at times, but I don't think he's consistent enough to be the type of guy who is going to get into shootouts week in and week out um, and, and basically overcome his defense. So for that reason, I think that the Falcons will probably be fighting an uphill battle this year. But at the same time, I would say, Tommy, you mentioned earlier, this is a two-horse race. I really wouldn't do that disrespect to the Falcons at this point. Um, I would say that, you know, if I had to be safe about it, yeah, it's probably a two-horse race. But I think that this Falcons offense does have that potential to play to that nine-win, you know, level if their defense can get some things straight. Um, although, you know, they've got a, a bigger plate to, to finish than, than either New Orleans or Tampa. Yeah, Lee, I completely agree with you, and um, I mean, you want to, I mean, I think the real important question with the Falcons is, is their second half performance defensively once Raheem Morris took over for Dan Quinn, and Dan Quinn was relinquished of the defensive play calling uh, responsibilities, and Raheem Morris took over, this defense all of a sudden was one of the hotter defenses in the NFL, Hey, you know, we all forgot they went into San Francisco and beat up San Francisco. I mean, not pretty bad, but it was a tight game that they ended up winning in the end. And we all were hot on the Falcons last year. Klepp was the hottest for good reason. Because, I mean, I think there is a lot to be excited about with, with this offense, Klepp. I think I kind of been more with Lee here. And I was being a little bit more conservative saying this is a two-horse race. But I think the floor of this offense is pretty darn elite. 
Um, you have, I think, the two best receivers in the NFL. It's probably hard to disagree with that in terms of a tandem because, I mean, I guess Godwin and Edwins, uh, Evans versus them, this is interesting. But I think Julio Jones is still the best receiver in the NFL, and I think Calvin Ridley is, like you said, Lee, an unbelievable complimentary receiver who would be a number one receiver on the majority of the teams in the NFL. Uh, and Hayden Hurst, I'll say it, Hayden Hurst is better than no, Austin Hooper. Tommy and I had this conversation where I pushed back a he's little gonna bit. Have, he's going to have he's gonna have a huge <laughs> season this year in the same way that Austin Hooper had big seasons every year in Atlanta because Julio Jones is getting double covered, then the rest of the defense is going to Calvin Ridley. Here's the thing I would say Hayden just to Hurst push back gonna, a little bit is that the role, I think, is completely different and the framework of the player how so? is completely different. I think Hooper's more of a go up and get it. Um, red zone target type of guy, while Hurst is a little bit more of a prototype athlete, who's you're going to be looking for a little more rack and a little bit more, maybe maybe even more targets outside of the red zone, leading to more targets ultimately. But Hooper's the type of guy where he was he was the jump ball guy and the big physical six six tight end that was money in the red zone. I think he had you know totally just touchdowns last year. So just the role I think is totally, a bit different. But, but even if I mean, Hooper had something like six to eight touchdowns last year. Yeah, he had a really I, good I year in terms of touchdown it. production. Hayden Hurst, I just think in terms of – I'd rather have Hayden Hurst than Austin Hooper in this offense just because I think he's a better football player than him. He's more athletic than him. He might not be as much as good of a jump ball receiver like you were saying, Lee. I pr- could probably agree with that. But like you said, in terms of going from in between the 20s, this guy is a pretty darn good athlete and is good after the catch. That's just a projectable Again, that's not thing really to say, point. though, because Hurst really hasn't put that tape out yet. Like in the pros, totally. But I mean, that's what that's what we're here doing, man. That's what we're here doing, and like, you got to take risks. You got to take risks. We've all taken risks on the show, and, and they've paid off, whether we like to believe yeah, it or I not. Like it. Um, and then Todd Gurley, I completely agree with with Lee. I don't think again, running back is is not very valuable as it is, and they pay they're paying him six million bucks. If he doesn't opt out of the season, I completely agree with Lee that the plan should be to run Todd Gurley into the ground and really get your money's worth. Um, again, I think this offense in their sleep is probably going to be a top 15 offense. They're going to score a lot of I points. I would say something to worry um, about, though, is uh, the depth at running back. Because if Gurley, who does have an injury history, if he does go down, the guy's got arthritis, for Christ's sake. You know, you got Brian Hill and Quadri Olison and Ito Smith behind him. See, this is where I can start to enter- entertain the idea of the dark and scary idea of if injuries do happen, this is a, a situation where. I could see the Panthers being better than the Falcons and, and finishing third in the division if Gurley goes down week two. And now Brian Hills, you're starting to back, basically. I think that that's how, how much of a drop-off you... would happen if, if this offense didn't have Gurley. No. I really do. I, I have I to disagree I don't think that they're that, running dude. back. I, mean, I think that Brian talking... Hill and Gurley is absolutely night and day enough for their offense to take a significant step backwards uh, and, and, really, and, and bring themselves down a rung in caliber. So are you expecting Todd Gurley to be like a top 50, a top 10 running back in the NFL this year? Because I mean, yeah, I guess he's so. Not a top I can't 10. really think of 10 running backs. Like we're putting everything into these categories of top 15, top 10, top. I think he's going to be a huge part of their offense, a monumental part of their offense. Yeah. And I think that they're planning on that and counting on that. And if he isn't there to do I've, that early in the year, if he goes down, God forbid, week two or three, and now you're, you've, you've got Brian Hill as your slated starting running back with Ido Smith and, and Quadri Olison behind him. I just don't think that well, with the offensive line you have, you're going to be able to develop a run game whatsoever, and you're going to 
be put into a situation like you were last year, I think, for a lot of the year where you're playing from behind because of your bad defense and you're kind of just hucking it up to Julio or Calvin Ridley where, you know, you're scoring points, but you're under pressure a lot and you're not able to really establish any tempo whatsoever with your, uh, with your offense. I, yeah, I mean, I disagree. I'm going to pound my running backs don't matter shirt right now. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, think Julio and Calvin are, are much more integral to this Hill is no offense good. than Todd Gurley. <laughs> He's no good. Yeah, but it, that you know? does that doesn't matter. That doesn't. Yeah. Ma- I don't think that matters really. Like you can make an argument that Ronald Jones isn't good. No, or, I, you know, I don't the, think. The, the I mean, you, that's that's. I don't think you can make the same argument about Ronald Jones. With Brian. I'm talking about Brian Hill right now, dude. Like that's a separate conversation, I think. And I'm talking no, about the, I the, guess the my point is that the, the, we're talking about this ideal Falcons, situation in which Todd Gurley is getting, you know, run into the ground and, and, and you know, the offense is working. Um, you know, if he's not there to do that, I don't think you can run Brian Hill the same way to even a similar amount my, of success, honestly. So that's all I'm, that's all I'm trying to yeah. say. Well, let's go to the, my point uh, about. Can we move on, boys? <laughs> I'll just say that Gurley doesn't have to be great. Like he's going to get run into the ground if he's getting three yards a carry or five yards a carry. I just was saying that more of of area of uh, you know that was more of an expression. But I take your guys' points. The defense uh, has potential, but it's going to be it's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of overs in Atlanta games. A lot of team total overs <laughs> on Atlanta. A lot of points scored. Um, let's get to the Saints here, who won the division last year, but then once again had issues in the playoffs, losing to the Vikings. Uh, at home, this is a team that brings in Cesar Ruiz uh, in their first round pick just to shore up that offensive line. Also got Zach Bond in the third round, which uh, I thought was a really great value pick at that point in the draft. And uh, this team, you know, just has a really solid roster as a whole. A little bit concerned about you know the way Drew Brees looked last year, just getting older. And it, the thing that I just can't get past is I just feel like despite how strong this roster is. They seem to have maybe missed their window at a second chance at a Super Bowl just with the way the last few playoff runs have gone for them. But, um, you know, Tommy, you seem to be pretty high on the Saints. What is your overall take on this this team? Um, I agree with you, Clep. My highness on the Saints comes where they're just my safest bet to win the division just because I know what they are. Um, but... I can I completely agree with you, Club. I think they did miss their window on the Super Bowl, and the time that I'm going to fade the Saints is going to come in the playoffs, I think. When it comes to the regular season, I think, for me at least, they're the safest bet to win their division. I think they by far have the best offensive line in the division, might have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL maybe next to the Colts. I mean, especially if Suzer Ruiz is able to play as well as he did at Michigan. This is a pretty sturdy group. Uh, and then Drew Brees... Yeah, he can't really pass the ball deep down the field, but bringing in Emmanuel Sanders, uh, you know, I think this offense is a little bit more well-rounded now. If Elvin Kamara can stay healthy for the same year, I expect more of the same out of New Orleans this year. Um, even if their you know, defense regresses a little bit, I still think that this defense, I love the way it's constructed. Cameron Jordan is perennially underrated. Uh, they have a great secondary, I think, especially I love their safeties, bringing in Malcolm Jenkins, and then you have Marcus Williams and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who was great as a rookie last year. Uh, I just think this is a team who is for sure going to be making the playoffs, whether they win this division or even if they're in the wild card spot. Uh, I think this team for sure is a player, uh, an elite team, really, when it comes down to the NFL during the regular season. But I am skeptical of them in the playoffs. I'm not a Saints guy this year, man. I'm, I'm, I'm fading them yet again. I faded them last year, and I'm going to continue to fade them because I think Drew Brees is significantly – he's not in the Brady conversation. He's He's – 
a good example of someone who's who's teetering towards the Rivers and, and Roethlisberger conversation, and he's not even the biggest of their problems. I mean, Michael Thomas had an unbelievable year last year. I expect him to do similar things. I don't think Emmanuel Sanders is as good as Tommy thinks he is. I don't think that he's going to add enough of a dynamic of your offense to really take that much weight off the shoulders of Michael Thomas, especially considering the fact that he is mainly a deep threat and your quarterback doesn't have the ability to stretch the ball down the field. I agree with what Tommy said about the offensive line, but I definitely think that overall with the schedule this team has and with the woes they've had in the playoffs and just the mental aspect of them missing their window, I'm concerned about their ability to be, you know, the perennial division champion they have been um, the past few years, and we've come to expect at this point. So I, I just kind of am um, coming into this year with a little bit more concern for New Orleans, uh, again, playing a first-place schedule. And, you know, today's uh, July 28th, 2020. I'm going to go ahead and say it. Week four, four field, October 4th, 1 p.m. It's a wrap. It's a wrap. This is the game. Oh, this wow. is the game that is going to change the pace of the season for the New Orleans Saints. I believe that they very well could win or could lose two games before this. Um, and if this were to be the third nail in the in the season's coffin in Week Four, um, I think the Saints could peter off pretty quickly. But emotions aside, I, I, I still you know I still think I would say that with the additions uh, Tampa Bay has made and with the progress they made after last year that I can confidently say that they would be my, my favorite to win the division this year. You know, the Saints still probably comfortable in that two spot, but wouldn't necessarily be shocked whatsoever if the Saints kind of have a dip in a year this year, and they're the team that is possibly considering maybe um, moving on at the quarterback position um, this upcoming offseason. Interesting. Like that is a wrap. We always like that. Oh, yeah. Lee, I mean, just yeah, I guess quickly before we get into the divisional um, rankings here for the NFC South, what do you see in Drew Brees' game that makes you think that he is kind of trending more towards the Rivers-Roethlisberger category and, and away from that elite status that he's been at for a while? I guess just to, you know, really relate to all I can really speak about is just what I see. And um, to put you know myself in the shoes of someone who would be wagering against Drew Brees, it's something that I did a fair amount this past year. Really, when push comes to shove and, and I'm wagering against Drew Brees, I really don't fear. I fear so much more from the playbook of Sean Payton um, and, and his ability to make things happen, which I don't deny can still happen. But just from a, uh, an aspect of sheer ability to uh, make every throw uh, in order to put yourself in a position to win down the stretch, I think that Drew Brees has kind of been lacking in that category, um, you know, not in the regular season, but, but you know, the use flashed it in the regular season and then most notably in the playoffs when push comes to shove. It really had, he, has, he hasn't been able to get it done, whether it be in overtime against the Rams um, or against Minnesota playing from behind last year where, you know, Minnesota kind of controlled that game because Breeze let them control it, honestly, with his, his limited ability, um, you know, on the offensive side of the ball in that playoff game last year. And I've been saying this stuff, you know, we've been talking I, about Breeze sliding for a while, you know. Yeah, well, that's kind of the point that I was going to make. We can wrap it up really quick because I completely agree with you, and I I will probably be fading the Saints in the playoffs, but I just would say, Lee, everything that you just said has been true for a couple years, and this team has still managed to win the division year after year because of Sean Payton. I don't think Atlanta's going to be a turnstile, and I think think every team got better. So I just think this is a case where I'm seeing every team around them getting better, 
All that's happening is time is going by. As in New Orleans, right? Huh? They, New Orleans also got better, I right? Can't com- I can't say that say? as confidently as I can about other teams in the division. I really can't. Like, I don't think Emmanuel Sanders is a significantly great signing. I don't think Malcolm Jenkins is, like, a great signing. Like, where Miller, Malcolm Jenkins, he's 32 years old. Like, I know he's solid. He's a good leader. He'll be the captain, you know, and, and he'll be a good player. I don't think he's going like, Mal- to level up their defense to where they're now, you know. Oh, they're going to win these well, this- these games that they haven't been able to win in the past, I guess. I, I just think that... You know, you got Brady in the division now. I think Bruce Arians is a great coach. I think that, you know, like we've been talking about with Atlanta, if they can stay healthy, they're going to be a team that's going to be a thorn in the side of the New Orleans Saints. So I just don't think that they're going to, it's, it's, they're going to be, you know, as easy customers this year um, in and outside of the division. You know, I just talked about the Lions. You want to talk about, you know, Packers and the Vikings, teams they've struggled against. They play the 49ers, you know, so... The Eagles, the Chiefs, you know, they got a tough schedule, man. They, they got that first-place schedule. So I just don't think Breeze – I think the clock has been ticking, like we've said, and there's a certain point where it's going to be evident to everybody, and I think that very well may happen this year. Tommy, how do you see this division shaking out, top to bottom? Carolina locked in at four. Can't wait. I can't wait. You know, if I'm wrong on this, guys, I'm going to owe you. We'll, I'll come take you out for some burgers or something. Go over a red coat. Get you guys a custom. So you got the under at five time. and a half. That's what we're betting on. I'll take the uh, yeah. Right. I'll take the under at five and a half, and I will be sh- I'll be shocked if if Carolina is the is the third place. I mean, if I mean, yeah, maybe they're a third place team, but I really am low on this team, and I think Atlanta. We talked about Atlanta. I said it. I think they're a more souped up version of Carolina. Um, I'm gonna have Atlanta coming in at third. I'm gonna have Tampa coming in at second, and, and New Orleans coming in at first, chalk style. I'll put I'll put Tampa first. I'm gonna put New Orleans second. Carolina third. Eight and eight. Uh, and I'll eight and, and eight? I'll put uh, I'll put um, the Falcons last just because they they spurned me last yeah, year. Yeah, Club, so you're I'm letting being, your emotions uh, from that overnight bus and Hun Chin or whatever the hell it was. You know, the lot. <laughs> yeah, you you're letting your emotions get to your head. Um, Car- I'm gonna go ahead. Well, before you go, I'm wait. gonna go ahead and slot. Care. What are you saying? I was just gonna say, Club saying Carolina eight and eight. That's gonna be in the intro. That's your week big nine, go-to. Is like, it's gonna be in the intro. Like, it, I don't think it's you know out of this world ridiculous. Um, I think the Bucks coming first. Um, I'm gonna say around eleven wins. I'll go ahead and put my money where my mouth is. I'll pick the Atlanta Falcons to stay healthy and come second in this division with nine wins. Um, and New Orleans either you know come in third with nine wins or slot down to eight wins and not make the playoffs and then. The Panthers tailing off with six or seven wins um, in fourth place. It's funny, man. Right, it's really boys. funny, isn't it, Tommy? It's just the amount of uh, you know how 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 surprised can you be by an over that's that like minus one ten over five and a half? It's not that ridiculous. Like Vegas sets the line, you know. <laughs> I don't see how it's that out of this world. You must really think that uh, they're they're legitimately tanking, honestly. We'll see. We we both dug our heels in a little bit on these on this Panthers team, yeah. so it's gonna be uh, it'll be a fun thing to watch. Well, uh, any last words, fellas? Train, but I'm all over the over. <laughs> Anything yeah, left to say? Work. Yeah, we're gonna keep record of it, just like when I said that Kyle Shanahan was elite, and you guys laughed at me. This is gonna be the the, the next moment. This is gonna be the 2020 version of that. It's Carolina eight and eight. I'm taking you guys out for dinner if they if they if they get eight and eight. They get if they get six. They get six. Sit over, sit over, five and a half, sit over, 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 sit over